it's because of his mercies and grace we are not consumed isn't that so and uh, with the country that we live in a country of privilege yet we vote a person like Miss Phelps into I say what's the Lord think (laughs) and uh, to top it off there's so many Jewish people in that community too which way they vote it's sad isn't it that our country would do that what does the Lord think I think he thinks what this verse let's go to it Matthew chapter 23 verse 37 thought of Jerusalem can we put oh Australia Australia <laughs> into these verses but it says oh Jerusalem Jerusalem thou that killest the prophets stonest them that sent unto thee despising God saying dismissing God's moral spiritual truth as we look at this passage remember that there's been a build build up to this point in Matthew and we've been looking at that in the evening service for a couple of years and the Lord come to chapter 23 he said woe woe eight times to this generation that has rejected the king rejected their Messiah. And he comes to verse 37, weeping for this nation. Then he goes into chapter 24, and the disciples ask two questions that are given in verse 3. When the Lord, they said, look at the great temple. They, and they, the Lord just dismissed the temple and said, it's all going to collapse in a heap soon. It's all going to be destroyed. And the disciples asked, tell us when these things shall be. And what shall be the sign of the coming in verse 3 of chapter 24 and of the end of the age? And the Lord went on in chapter 24 and 25 to answer the second question first. And the first question he didn't answer, well, not in Matthew, but the answer is given in Luke about the destruction of the Herod's temple. And in between here we have the portion we look at this morning of verse 37 to 39. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it is accurate, it's true, and we can trust in it. And Lord, we 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 look around and you look down and shake our heads and you are amazed at the rebellion of the human heart. And your son, who served and ministered who did wonderful works amongst the children of men, was despised and rejected. He wept over Jerusalem and its citizens. As we look around at our country with all the privilege we have, we ought to be brought to tears because of the rebellion and the wickedness of the heart of men. I pray, Lord, that we'd take something from your word today that might apply to our lives and take it out with us and share it with others. Bless for your glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> oh, Jerusalem. How many have been to Jerusalem? Two, three, four, five? Yes, good. <laughs> There's been some of us go to Jerusalem. And as I've said before, 
you'd better go there now because when if we come back in glory with the Lord and see it then it'll be all different but have a look now have a look then I know yes I have preached on this quite a few years ago but it's a portion that we come to at our evening service and I said I'd save this one for the morning service if there has been a central physical place of God's interest on earth what country is it it's Israel if there's been a city that God is interested in we would say Jerusalem that's where he planted his glory that's where he planted his people God chose that place for his own reasons and that people to inhabit the place it's that particular spot on earth and uh, it's it's great to visit the Temple Mount if you're allowed to on the day you visit Jerusalem because sometimes they just shut it down not the Jews the Arabs shut it down because they've got their police there praise the Lord it was open on the day and we went up there and walked around right to the right around the place where the old the temple used to be <laughs> the city of the Jebusites it was which David captured after he became king at 30 years old it was then called Zion the city of David second Samuel 5 verses 1 to 10 David reigned there for seven and a half years or from Hebron for seven and a half years and then from Jerusalem for 33 years how long ago did David live you see today we hear well it's not your city it's our city say the Arabic people how long ago did David live that's when he captured it that's when he made it the capital of Israel 3,000 years plus ago that's how long it's been in their hands and when they dig up anything in Jerusalem they find artifacts that date back to the inhabitants of the city the Jews and so when you hear on you know two state solution and divide Jerusalem and all the rest of it what does God say as Christians what does the Lord say now politicians aren't going to listen to that are they but we can know from the scriptures what God thinks in fact and we won't take time to read it we won't get through this in Zechariah chapter 12 in, in the first 10 verses or 11 verses of Zechariah 12 the word Jerusalem is used 10 times I think that's probably the most concentrated section of scripture where Jerusalem is talked about read it later <laughs> when the Lord will come back and stand in that day in that place coming through the eastern gate I st stood on the temple mount facing out to the to the temple gate look down the stairs that lead to the eastern gate sorry where it leads over to the Mount of Olives and thought well the next one to go through that gate is the Lord Jesus Christ he said he would and he will <laughs> and uh, all the graves have been put on the other side of it so that because a Jew wouldn't walk over graves but he will <laughs> graves are nothing to him and he will come through that place from the Mount of Olives read that in Zechariah <coughs> I have a, a letter here that receive, we receive regularly every month from Friends of Israel and uh, this was back in September last year. 
The roar was deafening as 5,000 people, Jewish and Christian, rose to their feet when Vice President Mike Pence declared, it's not a matter of if, but when we will move our American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I think this is news in our country this week too, isn't it? If you've been listening. For more than 20 years, every president has signed a waiver de delaying the move due to national security reasons or, or just plain chicken. <laughs> Why is Jerusalem such an issue? God puts it this way. I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there. Second Chronicles 6.6 6. Jerusalem is his city. He calls it the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. He gave the stewardship of it to the Jewish people a thousand years before Christ was even born. Jesus himself expressed his heart for Jerusalem in the portion that we look at this morning, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It was the lament of a father aching for his children, offering their warmth, protection and blessing. Although they missed the opportunity then to take refuge under his wings, he still loves them. Isaiah 31 verse, I mean Jeremiah 31 verse 3. Today world leaders want to divide Jerusalem for political reasons. They deny our Lord's purpose for his beleaguered, this beleaguered city and reject God's decision to give it to his chosen people. In fact, they reject the chosen people. And uh, we, we all remember when Andrew and his father-in-law, Andrew Lewis and his father-in-law, went to the United Nations when they were taking a vote in the Security Council to divide Jerusalem. And his father-in-law and him set up on each side of the, where all the delegates were entering, put up the flags and said, Jerusalem, it had written on it, Jerusalem is God's city. Don't divide it. It's his city for his people. And it's not to be divided. And uh, he, they got a response. Of course they would. <laughs> they didn't ask to be set up there, but they did. <laughs> the enemies of Israel want to divide the city into east and west Jerusalem. They conspire to take east. I continue this letter. They conspire to take east Jerusalem away from Israel and give it to the Palestinian Arabs. But east Jerusalem is Jerusalem. <laughs> East Jerusalem contains the biblical city of David. If you go there, that's where it is. The Temple Mount. Is that important to Jewish people? Of course it is. That's absolutely important. In fact, because the Jewish people aren't allowed to go up there now, you, what, what they do is go down to the Wailing Wall and walk north, le left if you're facing it, and go in a tunnel and they'll pray in there as close as they get, can get to where the temple, their temple, Solomon's temple and Herod's temple used to be. And they stick their prayer, prayer things in there. In a little spot, you can, you can go in there. It's a little sort of little tabernacle, you might say. You can go and pray in there. We sat in there and watched a, 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 a city rise from out of the rock. They have, the Jews have done it and they put it up and this is, this is Jerusalem. This is the temple. Uh, go there and you'll see it. Uh, <clears throat> what a place. The Jews, it is East Jerusalem that really has the heart of the Jewish people, those who are not secular Jews. The city of David, the Temple Mount, the Mount of Olives, the place where Jesus was crucified, East Jerusalem, just, <laughs> if you take a line north from Jerusalem. It's a place where King David, King Solomon and Jesus walked. East Jerusalem. 
how can they divide it away from their people? I like what the, the uh, if you could call it the captain's call, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu said, it will never be divided. It is ours. They've, got, they've had it for some time now. Uh, <clears throat> East Jerusalem is the ancient historical capital of the Jewish people, and it is Israel's modern capital as well. No other nation or people can claim East Jerusalem as its historic capital since the days of David conquered it 3,000 years ago. Last year marked the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. It came to them under their possession in 1967 in the Six-Day War. I was only about 14, 15, but I got excited <laughs> as a Christian who knew what the Bible said about it, that 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 place was then again in their hands and not since 586 BC had it been in their hands under their complete control. That's how many years? Two and a half thousand years. See, God, God keeps his promises and they're coming back. They're back in the land and they will be there. So Jerusalem is an important part. I won't read the rest of the letter there. We'll get into this, the, the sermon. What a city. It was crowned the high it crowned the high hills of Judah like a glorious diadem. It had an unbroken history reaching back to the days of Abraham and Melchizedek. It was the home of the temple, the spot where the eternal God abode among men. It is the citadel of faith, the sacred depository of hopes, beliefs and aspirations of the Hebrew people. Jerusalem it's been besieged and ravaged, rebuilt and stormed, sacked again more times than men could count. Now it has rejected its rightful king here in Matthew. And within a generation, it would be handed over the tangent, tender mercies of the legions of Rome. Hmm. Over that city, Jesus wept, as perhaps he still weeps over the great city. Praise God that the Aussies had a part in getting it back to them in the charge on Bathsheba that we preached on some whenever, a year ago. What weeping. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Back in our text there. Christ knew what lay ahead for this city and its citizens only what, 35 years after he died. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't want them to die. The Lord Jesus is weeping over them and over their death. God's strange work is judgment and he, he, he in mercy allows years to pass before judgment falls. 35 years on Jerusalem. What about you? How long has God been waiting for you to repent and get saved? He weeps over you. He waits for your salvation. As it tells us in Ezekiel, why, why will ye die? Ezekiel 18, we read, Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall, so, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions by which ye have transgressed, and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? Let's put our names in there. You see, we can look at this personally, we can look at it practically, or we can look at it prophetically, this portion of Scripture. And we'll do a bit of each today. But back there historically, 
Why will you die, O house of Israel? And today, why will you die when there's a way of salvation? For I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, or him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore turn yourselves and live, saith the Lord. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. O Jerusalem, and he cries out for your heart as well. Secondly, what wickedness. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. Recall the parable of the vineyard in Matthew 21, where the Lord set up a vineyard and he gave it to the tenants who were Israel. He sent servants then to collect the rent, to collect the proceeds, and they treated them shamefully. He sent more and they did the same. Then he said, I'll send my son, they'll respect and reverence my son. And what did they do? They killed him. And what is a picture of? The Lord Jesus being sent as the son of God to the, to the vineyard of Israel and they rejected him as we have here. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 5 and verse 3. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more for my vineyard? that I have not done to it. Wherefore, when I looked for it to bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. What more could have God done? It's saying, no more. And in the lesson this morning with uh, Brother Dunn, what more can God do to save the person? And if we neglect the opportunity of salvation or service, what more can he do? It's up to you to make the move, up to you to believe, up to you to serve and minister. It brought, what, what is it bringing forth? What's your life bringing forth? What did Israel bring forth? They brought forth wild grapes. They crucified the Messiah. What's your life bringing forth? What fruit have you and I, because of the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus? Are we walking with the Lord? Are we talking about the Lord? Are we witnessing for the Lord? What more could be done? I pray that the Lord looks down and is well pleased with your life. In Hebrews chapter four and verse, uh, chapter six and verse four, it is impossible for those who once were enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, were my partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. What wickedness that God has provided the way. He has knocked on their heart's door. The Holy Spirit has striven with them, that is, of Israel, and they've rejected. Yeah, but what about us? What about us in our, for salvation? What about us for, for Christian service? What wickedness? Now that killest the prophets and stoners. That's what they did to them, and that's what they still do to them over there in Israel. <laughs> so close yet so far. They had the Son of God living among them so close yet so far from the truth. Woe to them. Woe to you that reject the message. What warmth in chapter 23 and verse 30, 37. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that the killest prophets and stonest them who are sent unto thee, how oft would have I gathered you together? Huh. How oft would he gathered you together? Brother Ryan, when you call the kids together, do they all come? They do. They do. That's good. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Seven, eight. <laughs> Well, do you do what I... Uh, you, you, you try to get the name of one you're looking at, and you go through all until you get... Yeah. Sometimes the as And the Lord has done that. He's called. He's beckoned. You know, name them all. Come. Come. John 1.11. He came to his own, and his own received him not he tried to gather them together Matthew 11:28 to 30 come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest Romans 10:21 but unto Israel he saith all day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and contrary people all day long how often he gathered tried to gather them together John 3.17 For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It, and doesn't it apply to the world now as well? He, he, he's saying to all, come. The message goes to all, come. How often he would gather them together. He doesn't want us to perish. <laughs> he wants everybody to be in heaven for eternity. But we say no, as Brother Dunn said in the adult class this morning. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The invitation is open and it's still open today. God's not willing that any should perish. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it reads, In this was manifest the love of God toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God's love is commended toward us, says Romans 5, 6. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What warmth, how often would I gather you together? How often he knocks and calls. And uh, Brother Dunn, you're stealing the message again. Where are you? <laughs> he did. He did this morning. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> yeah, how often does God call and, and, and beckon us? And we say no. And what a disaster. I don't know what the word was that Brother, Brother Dunn used this morning. What a disaster. The call. That's it. The margin call. <laughs> that was invented in the 2008 crash, financial crash. The margin call. What a disaster that he, God calls us and we ought to respond. He is the authority. He is the Lord of the universe. He knows what's best. Father knows what's best for us. What warmth. And then we see what wisdom in verse 37. As a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. <clears throat> From imminent danger. The Lord is calling them. This is the last call to Jerusalem. Come. The last call was there on Palm Sunday, I think, when he rode the ass into Jerusalem and they all laid down the palms and their, and their, their coats. 
And they said, King of the Jews, what did they actually say? Hosanna. Hosanna. <laughs> Thank you. Hosanna. And, that, and the, the Pharisees and religious leaders were incensed that they'd call him that. The king of the Jews rebuked them, said they. And he didn't because he was the king of the Jews. So he called them and he clocked the last time he beckoned them to come and they didn't. Under the safety of his wings. God calls us to come under the wings of his salvation, does he not? As he did Ruth the Moabitess, to whom Boaz said in Ruth 2.12, The Lord recompense thy works, and a full reward be given thee by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Under whose wings thou art come to trust. God beckons us to come under his wings, not only of salvation, but also of shelter. In Psalm 36 and verse 6 and 7, well, just verse that part of that, O Lord, thou pre preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Have you come under the salvation of the Lord? Have you come under the shelter of the Lord? Have you come under the security of the Lord? He beckons us to come under his wings in Psalm 8 and verse 9. Or Psalm 17, verse 8 and 9. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. <laughs> security in the Lord. With everything going the way it is in the world, we've got security in the Lord. And of safety as well. Salvation, shelter, security and safety. In Psalm 57 and verse 1, we read, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for myself trusteth in thee yea in the shadow of thy wings will i make my refuge until the calamities be past are you safe under the wings of the lord have you heard him cluck you know we know what this means don't we if you've had chickens if you've had chickens and um when a hawk or an eagle or a man or a dog or a cat or something turns up what does mother hen do Come on, come on, someone do it for me. That's it, come on. I knew Larry would. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they're clucky. <laughs> you see what they do every Sunday to the kids. <laughs> but don't go near my nest. <laughs> well, that, that's a tack. <laughs> the, the, the hen calls them to come under the wing and puts its wings up and they all, 12, the whole 12 of them seem to fit under there, don't they? When, you had, when we had chick, chickens and chooks. <laughs> At home. Have you come under salvation, shelter, security, and safety of his wings? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. There's a story of that I share it from Ash Wednesday. That's many years ago now. It's getting close to 40 years soon. And uh, fires raged at Mount Macedon down on the coast and up at Cockatoo around the farm, right, right, the, the neighbouring property to the farm at Emerald. It happened there. And uh, count so, so many things that were seen that day. And my brother was on a D7 in the middle of it all, trying to put it out. And he couldn't touch the steel. It just melt your hand onto it. 
but he was able to reverse up through the fire and get out, but he saw people driving to their death straight into the fire. He couldn't help, couldn't do a thing, was, and it was a terrible time. But at Mount Macedon, there was a fireman went through after in a, in a farmer's yard, and there in the middle of the yard was a hen, fried, well, all blackened. And he, he kicked it, just kicked the chook. And out from under the chook run all the little chickens. Folk, that's a perfect picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took the fire of our judgment on himself at Calvary. And we can come under the shadow of his wings and find life eternal. What wisdom God has. He's clocked, he's called, he said, come, but have you? You know, time is short. Today is the day of salvation. What willfulness. Notice the next thing in verse 37. What does it say? And ye would not. How many do the same thing as Israel did in that day and they would not? Probably 99 almost percent of the world's population and they would not. And they would not. The same in Israel today. They still will not. God has to break them with a heavy hammer to bring them to himself. <clears throat> and I tried to find this morning, I found a couple of other little booklets that Andrew's printed in Israel, but the blue one, you'll have to send me, or bring one, Andrew, <laughs> when, when you come. The little blue one that he distributed to the, all the leaders, all the politicians in Israel, to all the rabbis. And I don't know if he sent it out to the principals of all the schools as well. It had the Gospel of Matthew in it. And an Orthodox man got up in the Parliament of Israel, who was a parliamentarian, 20% of the Knesset is, is Orthodox. He got up in there and he said, how dare this stuff be distributed in Israel? How can we stand this stuff when we stand for something different? And he tore the book, Andrew's book, in half in the Parliament. And the Attorney General of Israel got up and said, we are religiously free. He is allowed to distribute that. And that just gave Andrew more zest to do it. <laughs> I'll try to get the little book to show you, but, you know, the, this, is, this happened. They're still like it. And they will not. <laughs> but they will. They will. The pressure will come on little nation Israel so immensely that they will be broken. It's to happen and it may be in our lifetime. But God's going to apply the pressure. Bring the hammer down. And for those that might be listening in Israel, God be merciful to you. Come today. Don't harden your heart. Read Isaiah 53. That's in your Bible. And listen to what it's saying. Listen to whom it's talking about. The Lord Jesus Christ. What willfulness. Obey not the gospel. Let's think of it in terms of the church. In 2 Thessalonians, it tells us about that. In verses 1 to 8. Oh no, chapter 1, verse 8. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that what? Obey not the gospel. 
What willfulness that you disobey the gospel? What willfulness that you sin willfully after you have received a knowledge of the truth? What willfulness when God stands and says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, open, and you don't open the door. Now I know that's, a, that's an application, not an interpretation. And they refused to hearken. In Zechariah chapter 7, verse 11 through to 12, it reads, And they refused to hearken, they pulled away the shoulder, they stopped their ears that they should not hear. They did it to the Lord Jesus. They did it to Stephen when the church had already started. And they ran, they stopped their ears and gnashed upon him with their teeth. Yea, they made it back in Zechariah. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law, the words which the Lord of hosts has sent to his, by his, in his spirit, by his spirit, by the former prophets. Therefore came great wrath upon them from the Lord. They refused to hearken. And in Luke 19, it again speaks to the nation of Israel at that time. If thou hadst known the day of thy visitation, if you chose that day to believe, these things would not have befallen you in Luke 19 and verse 42. Well, let me read that. It says, if thou had known, even thou, the Jewish nation, at least in this thy day, this is your day, this is your day of salvation, the things which belong to your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. The days come, saith the Lord, that the enemy shall cast a trench about thee. And this is why the Lord was weeping for Jerusalem. Titus, the Romans, would come in 70 AD and cast a trench about them, encompass thee round and keep thee in on every side. None to escape, kill everybody. And they shall lay thee even with the ground, thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Folks, there's come and coming a day. The day of visitation for salvation is today. But there's coming a day when the Lord will visit in judgment, and there will be none to spare. There will be trenched, as it were, around Jerusalem, cast that nobody can escape. And all will be called to judgment. Nobody can get away. And God will issue judgment upon them. Oh, today, don't practice your willfulness and would not, would not. You know, and I use Adolf as an example here. Not now, but in the past. <laughs> and he sat there, and he sat there when Evangelist Weeks would come, didn't you? And he dug his heels in, didn't you? <laughs> he has to answer yes to all these questions. <laughs> And he would not. But he loved coming to the evangelist preaching because that gave him a challenge to resist. <laughs> but God broke his heart under Brother Arkady down at Croydon Baptist Church. And he submitted to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It took 15 years or so, didn't it? 17, he knows the years. That he heard but said, I will not. I can make it, I can do it my way. <laughs> but praise the Lord that Adolf trusted and believed. Amen. Don't say no. <laughs> Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What willfulness. What woe. Your house is left to you desolate. That's in verse 38. There is no hope. There's no second chance. There's no salvation after the grave. 
And beside this, is a, between you and us, there is a great goal fixed so that none can pass from here to you. You, you can't, once you go, go out of this world, once you die, make a decision. Your house is left to you desolate. There's no purgatory or punishment that will pay for your sins and make you worthy. What are you building your house upon? In Matthew chapter 7 there, there's the wise man and the foolish man. One built his house upon the rock, one upon the sand. Your house will be left to you desolate if you build upon the sand. If you build upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll have surety for eternity. <clears throat> if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, where will we be in that day? Because it is going to be dissolved. Uh, Job said, after my death, this body worms do eat. That's what it says. That's no glorification of the body, is it? Your house will be left to you desolate. Then what? And so Israel, their house, Jerusalem, would be left to them desolate. What waiting? In verse 39, ye shall not see me henceforth. Ye shall not see me henceforth. <laughs> they cried, His blood be on us and our children. And how patient and long suffering, how merciful and gracious is our God. <laughs> In Hosea 5.15, we read, I will go and return to my place, like the Lord speaking, I'll go and return to my place till they, the Jews, acknowledge their offense. And, and their offense is the crucifixion of their Messiah and seek my face. In their affliction, in the time of Jacob's trouble, they will seek me early. God has now waited 2,000 years for their acknowledgement, for their repentance, for their reception, for their recognition of the Messiah, for their return. They're grafting in again. God is waiting and is able to do it, but they have said no, no, no. Aren't you pleased that God is long-suffering? If he hadn't been... We would not be, <laughs> put it that way. If he hadn't been, we would not have gotten saved before we passed out into eternity. If he hadn't been, Israel would have been wiped off the map a long time ago. But they haven't been. <laughs> They're back in the land. What, what nation can be dispersed amongst the nations of the world and 2,000 years come back as a nation, learn their language get everything back into place and even plan to build a temple. I know that's wrong, but they're going to do it. <laughs> They've got it already. And God is still waiting. And he looks down at their puny efforts. God's, God's working, isn't he, in their midst to bring them to where they are. The Lord is a merciful and gracious God. And what an awakening. The last point... <laughs> What an awakening. Till ye shall say. He's talking to Jews in Jerusalem before the church started. He's saying to these people, Till ye, the Jewish nation, shall say, Blessed is he <clears throat> that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so it is with an individual. <laughs> so it was with Nebuchadnezzar until he looked up and said, God is on the throne. Till ye shall say, I am a sinner, I'm lost, I cannot save myself, I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Have you said that yet? 
Have you recognized that you're a sinner and need to repent of your sin to trust the Lord for salvation? And the Jewish people, in their affliction, they will seek me early. In Jeremiah 30, verse 7 through to 11, it speaks of the time of Jacob's trouble. It's so great that unless it be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. There's going to be no time like the judgment to come. And the world is rushing toward that judgment very quickly. In Jeremiah 30 and verse 11, The Lord said, For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations, God said, I can destroy and will destroy all nations to which I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee. A promise of preservation for the Jewish nation. But I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. In other words, you've done what you've done and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you great discipline, terrible judgments. I will correct you in measure, but I will not make a full end of you. That's a promise of God. And three times in Jeremiah, he said, I will not make a full end of Israel. I will not make a full end of Jerusalem. I'm going to preserve a remnant that they might come through the time of trial and come out the other side, my people. In Zechariah, it tells us in chapter 12, verse 10, I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Now, when did they do that? When they crucified Jesus. Has the, have these things been fulfilled yet? Some of them. And then they mourn when they look upon him. They have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and be in bitterness for him. Has that happened? Has the Jewish nation done that? No. Are they going to do it? Yes. It's not the church it's speaking about. He is talking to the Jewish nation. What an awakening when that happens. Let's turn to close to Romans chapter 11. What an awakening. What a watershed. What a moment when things turn. When Israel turns till they say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is Romans chapter 11. And just a couple of verses from here. Verse 12. Now, if the fall of them, the Jews, be the riches of the world, salvation to the Gentiles, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? How much more their Jews, nation, Jerusalem, their fullness? For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Let me say, in this promise... It's, God is saying that when the Jews turn and believe, we won't comprehend the change that will bring to the whole world. That's what it's saying here. We better believe this and don't believe the lie of the devil that they're done with. Verse 21 of the same, well, yeah, verse 21 of Romans 11, For if God spared not the natural branches of the Jewish nation, Take heed lest he spare not thee. He's speaking to the church there. 
and in verse 23. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, till they say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord from Matthew, they will not still abide in unbelief, they shall be grafted in, for God is able to do this. He is able to bring them back from the brink of extinction. In fact, if the Lord Jesus does not turn up at that right time at the Battle of Armageddon, the Jews would be extinct. That's it. No longer. But he will. <laughs> Just in the nick of time. Well, yeah, you could say that. Because two-thirds of them will be, will be destroyed and maybe even more. But God will save the remnant and they'll look upon him and believe. You see, as you see this plan of God for his people, for the church and for all, when it's all wrapped up, you say what, what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He come to the conclusion of these, these things. No, in chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth and the, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. It is a marvelous thing that God will do. What an awakening. What a watershed moment. What a change and turn in, the wor in this world's history will happen when that happens. And what an awakening when a person comes from darkness to light. Ephesians 5.8 You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. You were once children of wrath, but are now children of God. You were once going to hell, but now you're on your way to heaven. Can you remember the watershed moment? Can you remember the awakening that happened in your soul when you become a Christian? And there was a complete change. It was a 180 degree turn, just like there will be in Israel. Back to the Messiah. What about you? Has there been that change? Do you see it in your life? Do you know it in your heart that there has been a change? I now serve the Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> and I do what he wants. What an awakening. If you haven't had that day when the light's been turned on by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, today could be the day when he knocks. Don't do what Israel did. Trust the Lord as your Saviour. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the example of Israel. Our Lord, you know and we know from Scripture that they will be brought back from the brink of extinction to be the ruling spiritual nation of the world. But what about us today? Have we rejected? Are we despising the offer of salvation? Uh, have we a wicked and a willful heart rebelling against the truth? When all day long he stretched his hands forth in warmth to welcome us into his fold. Our Lord, I pray for that hard, hardened heart today that it might be broken and that they might come to you. Thank you for these words. Bless us as we sing a closing hymn in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>